I don't know what it is about those stories. They get me so into my feelings. <laughs> I was read those stories before bed as a little boy. My dad would read them to my sister and I before we went to sleep. And it was really special to hear these stories, and they've stuck with me, right? They've formed some of the way that I think. And so when I think and read the scriptures, sometimes these stories come to mind, right? The last time we talked about them, there were some people in the church who said that they might pick them back up again. It might be fun to read those books again. If you do, please tell me, um, because I would love to talk about them. Every book has a moment like that, or at, at least one, if not many, where there's something happening that is, that is not just a story, something that is deeply theological, right? Something that tells us about the world that we live in, the story of Shasta, right? All of the hardships that he's experienced, and then the encounter with Aslan, who's the, this figure representing Jesus, that reframes the way that he thinks about the story that he's lived right? That reframes, creates a new understanding, gives him more information to bring some clarity to what that he thought had happened, right? Now, I think, it's, I think that's very relevant to our psalm today. Uh, I think that we see in this encounter between Shasta and the lion, who's, who's Aslan, who is the Jesus figure, um, what we see or something very similar to what's happening in Psalm 124. It's a message of help, and Psalm 124 is also an obedience, actually, to one of the most common commands that we find in the Bible, which is the command to remember. Let me first give you a quick intro here. If you've been following along with our series, you'll know that the psalm that we're talking about today is a part of a series of psalms, which are called the Songs of Ascent. These songs of ascent were like the playlist, the set of songs that were sung by God's people as they traveled to worship in Jerusalem as a part of their annual festivals. And in this context, they were called songs of ascent for a couple of reasons. One, because they were, they were sung by people who were on this pilgrimage journey upwards towards Jerusalem, quite literally, right? Because Jerusalem was the highest point geographically in the area. So along the journey, you were always traveling upwards. But it was also true metaphorically, right? That there was hopefully through the singing of these songs, the preparation to go to the city of Jerusalem to worship, hopefully there was a metaphorical movement upwards, a turning that was happening in their hearts towards God. And you will have noticed so far that many of those songs don't so much tell us what to do. They're not so much an instruction manual as they show us an image of what it looks like when people are walking faithfully on this journey, when people are, are walking in relationship with and seeking to be followers of God. Now, there's a couple of interesting or notable things about this psalm that we're talking about today, which leave it standing apart from all of the songs that we've done so far to some extent, standing apart from, apart from those ones we've read before. Uh, the first is, you know, I expect pretty obvious, but let me just explain it if it hasn't stood out to you. See, when, when we began this series on discipleship, I talked about the idea of directionality. Maybe you remember that, the direction that we're facing. I drew a diagram on a whiteboard up here, and uh, it was like a whole bunch of dots, and then there's a thing in the middle, and I'm like, that's a church, <laughs> right? And, uh, and they're all different, all these different people, they all make up a church, and we'd like to draw a circle around it and say, this is who's in and this is who's out. 
But actually, I think the more important thing than how close you are to that center, and the center of the church being Jesus, the more important thing than how close you are is the direction that we're facing, right? That was the thing that we talked about at first. Directionality mattered. And, uh, and, and so the question was, are we moving towards God? Are we focusing our eyes on him? Are we growing in relationship with him? Are we seeking to follow him? Those were the important questions we were trying to ask. And we have seen this theme repeated time and time again through the Songs of Ascent. The first one was all about repentance, right? And we talked about the idea of turning away from lies and towards God, right? And then the next one, it, would just, it just obviously started with the words of turning. This was Psalm 121. It said, I lift my eyes to the hills, right? That's where it began. I'm looking up to the hills. And where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. It was this, this is where I'm looking. I'm looking upwards. Even last week, I'm not going to go through them all, but like last week, it started with, I lift my eyes to you. There's a directionality in all of these Psalms. And it's this intentional forwardly directed towards God movement that happens in these Psalms, demonstrating this walk that we are on as followers of Jesus, closer and closer to him, right? But today's Psalm is a little bit different. (laughs) Rather than showing us a picture of turning upwards towards God, this Psalm includes in it a very important turn backwards, Did you notice that? That this psalm is a psalm where people are engaged in remembering. They're looking back over their story, over where they've come from. They're looking in that direction together. And this is different. The other songs were very forward-looking, very much about momentum and going towards that next deeper thing, very much focused on the destination. This psalm is a turning back to see how far we've come. It's unique in that way, right? It stands out a little bit. Well, I would say it's unique, but I think there actually that is a yes and a no answer to that. It's unique in that, but while the directional language has changed, I think the heart of the psalm remains the same. This is still a psalm about a turn towards God, right? Here's the thing. We talked about this before. God does not just want part of you right? God doesn't just want a part of you. He wants all of you, right? And, and as a being who stands outside of time, this means that God just doesn't want, he won't settle for just the present you, right? He wants to inhabit all of your story, right? So this psalm demonstrates the part of the discipleship process where we begin to see God present in our whole story, right? So Psalm 139 talks about how, this is a different Psalm, it talks about how God knit me together in my mother's womb, right? And from the time that I was born, the message is that he was pursuing me, right? Like, let me tell you something. Let me tell you this today, if you're on Zoom, if you're here in person, if you're, if you're watching this on YouTube four years from now, If these words are making their ways to your ears, I can promise you something. God has been pursuing you, okay? From from before you were even born, God has been coming after you, seeking a deeper relationship with you, walking alongside of you, always hoping that you would just step one step closer to him. And not only that, he has been your help. 
he has been actively helping you in finding him, okay? In the journey of discipleship, God comes for you. He meets you where you are, but then he is not satisfied with just your present self. And he isn't satisfied with your present and your future. He also desires that we discover him and glow closer to him through our past. He wants to show how every piece of our story is part of his unfolding story of love for us. All of our story is his. And just like with the other parts of this discipleship thing that we've been talking about, this is not just a one-time event. Whether you started following Jesus yesterday or 80 years ago or anywhere in between, we are continually invited into this process of finding God in the midst of our stories and confessing together the ways that he has been our help. Now, I know that Liam already read it for us this morning, but let's take a look back at the psalm and see how they go about this. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn there with me. If you're using our Pew Bibles, this is going to be Psalm 124. It's on page 887 in those Bibles. You're welcome to turn there with me. Psalm 124 is on page 887 in those Pew Bibles. I'm going to start right from the beginning. Here's how we start. Right? So verse 1, Psalm 124, it says this, If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say, If the Lord had not been on our side when the people attacked us, they would have swallowed us alive when their anger flared against us. The flood would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away. Before we move on, about halfway through the psalm, before we move on, I just want to stop here for a moment. And I want you to notice something that they haven't said. Okay, so what they have not said is now that the Lord is on our side, we never need to deal with troubles again, (laughs) right? That's not what we're seeing here. They haven't said because the Lord is on our side, life is easy and blessings abound. There have been moments of great triumph in Israel's history up at this point, up until this point. Notice that those aren't the stories that they're telling in this psalm. They are pointing specifically to the moments where they know They know with certainty that they would have never made it through had it not been for God. They say, if the Lord had not been on our side, we would have been swallowed alive by those who attacked us. We would have been engulfed by the flood that came and swept away. That's their confession. They say the only way that they are here today is because God helped us through. Unlike the other songs of ascent where they look upwards and forwards here, they look backwards into our story. But this isn't a navel-gazing moment. We look backwards into our story as a way to look for God. We look specifically for the moments where his presence is is unable to, where we are unable to deny his presence. It is undeniable. I was thinking about this story and and this idea, this psalm, I was reminded of a story in the book of Judges. In Judges chapter 7, we find the story of a man named Gideon. And Gideon was raised up to lead the people of Israel when they were being attacked by an, an uncountable army, the host of the Midianite army. There's so many of them, you can't count them. And Gideon raised up warriors, some 32,000 men he raised up. And then God Over a couple of choices, God has Gideon send home all of the warriors except for 300. (laughs) 
against an uncountable number, God says, no, I want you to fight them with only these 300. And God's reasoning is, I think this is, this is Judges chapter 7, verse 3 or 4, I can't remember, but his reasoning is, if you had the 32,000, you could say we did this in our own strength. I want you to be certain that when the victory is won, that you have been delivered by me. That you never would have gotten through this except for me. That was the thing that God desired in that story of Gideon. That's the thing I think that God is inviting us to consider in Psalm 124. This psalm is about resisting the urge to believe that we've done this all on our own. It's about remembering that God is our help, turning to our stories and seeing the moments when that is true. It's not about the moments when God swept in and took away all of our problems, worked miraculously. That seems to be how we often desire or believe God should work. This is about remembering that even in the very difficult moments, we have never been alone. That even when we didn't know him, God was pursuing us. That even in the darkest night, he sat beside us. That even in the deepest grief, he wept with us. That even in the most frightening encounter, he moved to embolden us. This is not about overriding the hard moments, but about recalling the truth that even in those hard moments, God sits on the throne. That, that if we've made it this far, it's because he has been our help. I mentioned at the beginning that we're, there were two things that stand out in this psalm as compared to the ones that we've read so far in the Songs of Ascent. The first was that we look backward while all of the other psalms are looking upward and forward. But we've seen that's only the case, only kind of the case, because the act of looking back is also an act of looking up to God, right? Also an act of seeing God as the one who is pursuing us, helping us, saving us. And as a result, there's another way uh, this is another way along the path of discipleship that we are turned to God. The other way that this song is unique among the songs of ascent that we've read so far is in its format. So maybe you noticed that there are some hints in the text that's maybe a little less obvious than the first one. Um, but one of the hints is the first verse. There's this strange instruction, right? So it says, if the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say... And this is effectively all together now, right? If the Lord had not been our side, everybody together now, that's what's happening, right? If then, then he repeats, if the Lord had not been on our side. All the songs we've done so far are songs that would be sung in unison or by individuals. This song takes on the format of a call and response. So there is a worship leader who would read the or sing the first part out, and then the people are invited to respond. So this is how it would go. The call, there's the, there's the invocation, the call, the first five verses, and then the response, the, the words spoken by God's people. And I actually thought today we could try it. We could do it together, because why not, right? We're here. So it's going to be up on the screen, or you can follow along in your pew Bibles. We're using the translation of our pew Bibles, the NIV. So again, if, you're, if you wanted to turn there, that's uh, page 887, Psalm 124, but it should be up on the screen for us in just a moment. And so my lines are, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the worship leader role. So I'll read the worship leader role, uh, and they'll be in white, and then your lines are in like an orangey kind of color, because I thought that it would be readable. 
So, uh, so I'll read this out, and then you're going to read the response, okay? And that's how this would have been sung. I'm not going to ask you to sing it. I'm not going to sing it. I don't have a melody for it, so that is what it is. So let's read this together. We can try it out. This is what it would have been like. If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say, if the Lord had not been on our side when people attacked us, they would have swallowed us alive. When their anger flared against us, the flood would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away. Praise be to the Lord who has not let us be torn by their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the fowler's snare. The snare has been broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So that's the way that this song would have been sung together as a call and response. The spiritual leaders would speak the first words, the reminder. This is their interpretation of the story, right? They're looking back into their collective story. The worship leader would speak that interpretation and then the people would respond. And the first thing they do is praise, right? The people first respond with praise and then their affirmation of that same story and then a comment on the nature of God and their relationship to him. And so because this is the Bible that we're talking about, and I don't think that there is you know, a part of this that is an accident <laughs> in the way that this has been written, I think that there is a reason this particular psalm with this particular you know, emphasis was written and taken on this particular form. I think there's a reason this psalm takes on the form of call and response. And here's why. Here's why I think that. Because sometimes, maybe you know this to be true, sometimes when we look at our stories, specifically when we look at the difficult moments of our stories, when we're not sure that we could have gotten through, sometimes we need help. We need help from one another to see the bigger picture. Sometimes we are too close to our own pain and hurt and challenge to see where God was at work. This is a really difficult lesson to learn, a very difficult lesson to live, and we need people to model it for us. We need friends and mentors to disciple us in this practice, right? If we jump all the way back to the beginning here, I think we often find ourselves in the same spot as Shasta, right? Walking along the path of life, and we look back at the moments of challenge in our lives and we say, well, I must be the most unlucky person in the world. And to be honest, I think that's a very natural reaction. That's why Aslan enters in in that moment, right? To bring a different perspective, to bring clarity, to bring hope, to bring love, to bring life. We need help to see hope in the darkness. We can't do this thing block this journey as followers of Jesus on our own. Just like every other part of discipleship, this work of discovering and confessing God's presence in every part of our story is something that we have to practice. This is a learned skill. It's something that, that we can grow in. This is something that is important for us to see modeled by mature Christians who are further down the path than us. Now, I just, I want to take a moment and be very clear about something that I am not saying. There are things that I'm saying. There's something that I am really intentionally trying to not say, and I want to be really clear about that. So, so let me say, I am not saying that it is your job as a Christian 
to swoop into someone's moment of pain and tell them that it is somehow a part of God's cosmic plan for them and it's all going to be good. I am not saying that we should ever invalidate the pain of those around us. That's called spiritual bypassing and it causes harm. I have seen this as a pastor. I've seen this like more times than I can count and every time it breaks my heart. Because, because here's the truth. I think in the vast majority of circumstances, when we make that kind of a response to people, when we swoop in and just tell them, oh, it's all okay, it's all a part of God's plan, and some kind of a trite comment in the midst of their hurt and hardship, when they're, when they're sitting there thinking, I don't know if I can make that through, when we try to remind them that it's all a part of a good plan, the vast majority of the time, we are not doing that because we are hoping to comfort them not because we're inviting them into the redemptive part of the story, usually it's because we are afraid of their pain. Or because we feel the need to be defenders of God in that moment when someone is questioning whether or not he's good. That's not our job, and that's not the invitation of this psalm. There are a lot of other psalms that are just for that moment of pain when that person is still in the thick of it, still in the depth of pain. I think about Psalm 88, for example. That is a psalm written for people in the midst of pain, right? I'll read just a little bit of it here, starting at verse 13 of Psalm 88. It says, but I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? I've suffered, I've been, been close to death. I've borne your terrors and I am in despair. Your terrors have destroyed me. You have taken me from friend and neighbor, and darkness is my closest friend. That's the end of the psalm. There's no turn to hope at the end of it. This is okay. <laughs> this is in our Bible. This is an okay way for us to respond, to just bear witness, to name, to see the pain. And I know that that's uncomfortable. But Psalm 124 actually gives us the courage to sit in that moment and not feel like we need to swoop in and change it. It might be a long time before people are able to sing Psalm 124 after a deep loss. But what do we do? We look backwards in our own stories. And we seek to live out that ethic in a way that it becomes a model for others. That invites others to, to have their imagination sanctified. <laughs> that perhaps, perhaps... If God has done this in your story, he could do this in my story as well. We get to sing the first part, the invocation, the invitation, right? We don't write the second part for them. That's the importance of this being call and response. The person doing the calling is telling a story that they are a part of, and Israel's responding with their own story. So let me give you an example. When I was a little bit younger and a little more jaded than I am now, I was invited over to the home of an older person in my church, and we were just going to connect and get to know each other, and it was just a nice opportunity to do some relationship building. And when I was there, they started telling me about their life, and as they recounted their story, they kept saying things like, and just nothing bad ever happened. And, you know, I was polite. I'm a polite young man. And so, so I, I nodded, and I listened, as you do, but inside, I was thinking, this sounds fake. That's what I was thinking. Not very kind. They said I was younger and more jaded. Um, you know, I was thinking, I have lived enough life to know that bad things happen and sometimes it is hard and sometimes it is unbearable. But they continued to tell me their story. 
And as they were telling their story, they told me about some very extreme things that they had walked through. They told me about severe health challenges, about a battle with cancer, like difficult, like life-threatening things that happened to them. And yet they still confessed how good God was bringing them through all of that. They confessed that they were never alone. They, as a mature Christian, had been guided, I'm sure, in this process of re-understanding those moments in their life of God's great faithfulness to them. And as I heard it, the jadedness in my own heart softened a little bit. They didn't overwrite their pain. They didn't lie and say that it never existed. But these years later, they had learned to sing this call and response song of Psalm 124. Their song became a call to which I could respond with my own story. And I, and I still think about that interaction with that person. The way that it was modeled for me by this faithful, wonderful, mature Christian person who had walked through hardships, was unafraid of those parts of their story, and instead chose to go back into those dark places with Jesus as their guide to discover the God who never left them or forsook them, even in the darkest night. Church, sometimes we need a guide. Not to overwrite our pain or just hand us a new narrative, but someone to model for us how they walked through their own pain and to show us just how to move in this journey ourselves. As Christians, we are very blessed to have the benefit that the people writing these Psalms didn't have. Shasta had Aslan to show him the whole story and we have the model of Jesus, right? Like God came down and, doing, and, and we, got to, we get to see him doing this very work himself in his own story. Jesus, who walked through pain and suffering and even death and came out on the other side restored. We learn as Christians at the feet of Jesus. We learn at the foot of the cross. But then we also model together for one another in our own stories and context. Mature Christians share their own songs of ascent, their own invocations to spark hope in the hearts of God, uh, hope in the hearts of those that God places in their hearts and lives. We also have the benefit of being a part of a long story of the church. The story of this church, certainly, but also the story of the church throughout history. So as we come to a close this morning, I'm hoping to give you a challenge and an invitation, okay? It's going to be a challenge and an invitation. The challenge, we'll start with that. The challenge is to consider carefully how God has been your help through your story. To remember and to seek out the moments of your story where you can confess, along with the pilgrims and worshipers of Psalm 124, the words that I never would have made it through if it had not been for God. And then perhaps to find a place, maybe a small group, maybe with family, maybe with some close friends, but, but, but perhaps if you think and reflect on that, if you discover some of those moments where you can speak those words, I never would have made it through if it wasn't for God, perhaps you would share those with some people around you as an invocation, as the, as the first part of the Psalm 124 call and response. 
That's the challenge. Can you look back in your story and see the ways that God has worked and moved to pursue you, the ways that he has been with you even when you felt entirely alone, and if you're brave or feeling creative, I would love to see you actually write something out. Your own personal Psalm 124 verses 1 to 6. I would love to see that. I would love to hear that. The second thing that I'd like to do, that I'd, the, uh, this is the invitation. I'd, I'd like for us to remember that this is not just about our stories as an individual, but also our collective story as church, right? Our story is a part of the church. And so what I've done this morning is I have written a call and response for us in the form of Psalm 124, but with the story of the church today, with the story that we've lived so far, and I hope speaking into us in this time and place. I've written both parts. I've written the call and the response. I hope you'll forgive me for putting words in your mouth. I hope that maybe you'll resonate with them uh, and perhaps, again, be inspired to dream and think about what your own words might be. So I'm going to have those up on the screen. It'll be the same thing. There's the white lines I'll read and the, and the colored lines we'll all read together. And I would love us to end this, this, uh, this time by reading this out. And then we're going to respond in worship, okay? So I'll read the white and we'll read together the other parts. So it says, if God had not been on our side, church, let's say it together. If God had not been on our side, we never would have survived this long. If the church hadn't received God's help, we never would have survived the worship wars, the pandemic, pastoral transitions, and wilderness seasons. If God hadn't been guiding us, the church would have never made it through historic persecution, the shifting sands of culture, and the schisms of reformation. We would have been ground down to dust and swept away in the winds of change. Praise be to God who did not leave us on our own, who sent us a helper in the Holy Spirit to unite us and empower us. Praise be to Jesus who is building his church that the gates of hell will not overcome. God has built us up and preserved the faithful remnant. He will not let us be swept away. God is our protector. If he is for us, who can be against? Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. God, we thank you that our help is found in you. That we can find you pursuing us in every single moment of our story that you are drawing us to yourself deeper and deeper in relationship with you, and that you do seek to see every single piece of our story redeemed for your goodness, for your purpose, God. Lord, thank you for building your church, for the truth that we are not responsible for carrying on our own the weight of the church going forward, but that we can look into our past, into our history, and trust that you have been faithful and you will continue to be faithful. Lord, I pray that, that, that you would work in our hearts to help us be people who can speak these kinds of invocations and people who can hear them and be inspired to, to, to see your hands at work in our stories. 
Lord, as we respond, as we, as, we ring, as we sing words of praise and worship to you, I just pray that you would help us to, to just bask in your goodness and glory. Pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. I'll invite the worship team up. We've got one more worship song this morning. Thanks for listening to the Blue Mountain Community Church Podcast. May God's word fill you up this week. God bless.